0: This podcast is based exclusively on the real life experiences of two bisexual cis women and their internet research. Sexual identity is deeply personal and influenced by intersecting identities, demographics, and circumstances. Rose and Annie do not speak for the bisexual experience of all individuals or the bisexual experience as a whole. In short, they don't know shit. Thanks for listening remember when people used to say she's fat, pretty hot and tempting?
1: She fat?
0: Yeah, fat with a pH. Yeah. Pretty hot and tempting.
1: Pretty hot and tempting. I do remember that.
0: I don't know how I feel about it. It
1: was a dark time. <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: know if I want to unpack it too much, but.
1: Can we bring fat back?
0: Like, like pH? Yeah. Like, that's fat. Yeah, definitely. Like, I say dope, gnarly. I feel like those are all. In the same vein.
1: Furry scrunchies are coming back. So I think fat is going to come back too. That's the next. And I think like velour tracksuits are on their way back in.
0: What about like YM magazine?
1: Oh my God. Yes. Is it still around? Has YM
0: been running since 1993 or do you think they have an Instagram?
1: What about like really shiny light colored lipstick?
0: Yes. I think that is back. That's like very in for the like Euphoria style yeah. makeup. What about blow up furniture?
1: Yes. Yes. This is what I'm talking about. What about those blow up aliens that you want at like carnivals? Yes. Are th- those never went away, right? I
0: don't think those ever went yeah. away.
1: What about like spaceship aesthetics? Like like spaceship home furnishings where everything's like chrome or white mm-hmm. and like very shiny and round? Yeah. I feel like there was a weird divide between the early 90s and the late 90s. And that was very late 90s. Early 90s was more like grungy. grungy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely like early 90s was coming off of like 80s. And it was very like androgynous girls and flannel and overalls mm-hmm. ill-fitting stuff, which I think is what's kind of back right now. Um, And then it transferred into like, how low can these pants go and how much of the tummy can we show? Exactly. Yeah. Which is my personal nightmare trend to return. I'm probably going to have to stock up on all the like high rise jeans now. I'm into it.
1: I was looking and there are no, no retailers who are selling low rise pants in, in this day and age.
0: Do you Are you a low-rise kind of gal?
1: I love low-rise pants. Hmm. I love showing off my butt crack. I okay. just love it. I love it when people toss little coins in there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the coin slot going and play the game. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Buckle still sells them. That's what I found out when I Googled it.
0: Have you looked at, like, Limited too? You might not fit.
1: It doesn't... It's not around anymore. What? Limited...
0: Yeah, is it, the Limited
1: still around? It's, it went out of business, like, 10 years ago.
0: Fuck. Okay, so there is... Definitely a market. I you, I honestly think we could make like limited 2-2 for limited the 20 something
1: Limited squared.
0: Limited squared and people would be like, what does it mean? Because I wasn't alive.
1: Yeah, it'd be, be vintage. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of history. <clears throat>
0: our personal fashion history.
1: Right. We're going to talk about history today, but before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Annie. And I uh, go by she and her. Those are my pronouns.
0: And my name's Rose, and my pronouns are also she and her.
1: And we're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, getting advice, and talking about queer people we like.
0: Annie, did you know that today, October sixteenth, is uh, Pronoun Day?
1: I did. I did know that, but only because of the Hello Goodbyes Instagram account at Hello Goodbyes. Follow us on Instagram.
0: Follow us on Instagram.
1: You can tell that Rose is the one that <laughs> that updates the Instagram account because I found out <laughs> because I follow the account. <laughs> um
0: yeah, yes. You should follow us. But also, although Pronoun Day will have passed already, it's a good opportunity to remember the things that we are thinking of today so respect other people's pronouns this is a big one for me don't get hung up on they them being singular it doesn't make you seem like you're really good at grammar it makes you seem like a douchebag who doesn't want to respect someone's pronouns for a while now the dictionary has said they them can be singular you used to be only plural which I learned today You was plural and then like thou, thee was all singular. So they, them has been used as a singular pronoun since like the 1300s. It's Mm -hmm. not, you're not whack to do it. You should do it. Um, A way to normalize if you're cis is to introduce yourself and introduce your pronouns. And if you're in a position of power, like you're running a meeting or the person who's giving out name tags, providing the space to, for everyone to say their pronouns. So if you're just like, we're all going to go around the room and share some bullshit fact about ourselves, but we're also going to say our names and our pronouns. Yeah. Like, just include it.
1: I read a post on Tumblr. Someone was like, "I what I personally like when someone messes up my they them pronouns is for them to say thank you rather than I'm sorry when I correct them because if they say I'm sorry, then I have to like assure them that they're okay and that's just like making me do more emotional labor. So saying thank you if I correct you is a good way to be like, okay, yes, I understood. Not trying to be the victim here. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's true of everyone who goes by they them pronouns, but it seems like a, a good way to go about things.
0: Yeah, I like that, too, because it's like, thank you says I'm receptive and you can continue to correct me.
1: Right. That's cool. I hope we continue to celebrate pronouns day. Um, so this week we're talking about bisexual history, which is a long and storied and proud history I would say to talk about bi-history is to talk about the history of recorded sexuality and human expression itself. Um, Because as long as people have been around, people have been doing it to uh, all genders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's,
0: I feel like it's really difficult to examine bisexual history apart from LGBTQ history, because oftentimes people who have queer relationships with a variety of genders are considered monosexual. Yeah. Um so the queer relationships are straightwashed or simply excluded from education and then within the LGBT community it's often that person is just identified as gay or a lesbian and it's super easy to do with bisexual folks because you can just not talk about earlier relationships that they had.
1: Yeah and we'll get into this very soon but one of the reasons it's hard to find bisexual history is because that term hasn't always meant what we know it to mean now um and you know even if it had meant that i don't think most people in ancient or relatively modern history also would have felt comfortable identifying as that or anything other than straight yeah uh, up until very recently yeah (laughs) um As far as ancient history goes, I was able to dig up a little information about ancient Greece, Rome, and Japan. Uh, They've all been studied as civilizations that normalized same-sex love. Even though I would say overwhelmingly all of the sources that I could find referred to men uh, who had wives and were married to women... Um, and had families with women, and or had families with women, um, but who also took male lovers. That seems to be what we know about as far as bisexual history in in ancient times. I should also say that there is some recorded history of indigenous peoples in North and South America. Um, They were often observed as taking double roles in society, um, usually the double roles were those inhabited by men and women. Colonizers obviously weren't on board with this. They were, they were bringing with them a lot of culture from Europe um, and condemned these people as sodomites. Uh, but within their own communities, they were often revered as religious leaders and considered very valued citizens.
0: May I ask you, is that the the same, and I know very, very little about this, um, is that the same as the third gender idea in a lot of indigenous?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's often referred to as two-spirit. It's, that's kind of, as I understand it, a word that's used, like, because so many indigenous cultures in North and South America had this happening in their communities, and um, they have their own words for it. So, two spirit is kind of like the word that everyone says to refer to these people within distinct uh, indigenous communities. But yeah, in a lot of in a lot of ways, it was a third gender. Cool, but it's hard to talk about like in the white European context that we're so used to because we're know? stuck in the binary. Because like. I don't even think a lot of those cultures would f- fuck with gender at all. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, describing it as a third gender is really not not very helpful because it's there's, like, not – the idea of gender is so different.
0: Of course, there are, like, some
1: societal norms. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, such a different – Concepts, yeah, norms, yeah. That they're not norms to us. I it's, don't know. It's hard
0: because, like, also as soon as you said it, I like, I'm so ingrained and raised in a a binary of gender that I was like, oh, are most of these people like men? Which is a really weird. Like, as soon as I thought it, I was like, that's a really weird, like, natural thought, like not natural, but like an immediate thought that like yeah. society has taught me right. to be like, oh, are most of those people men? Because yeah. they're like people who get into positions of power, right. leadership. Yeah. I'm sure most of them are men. And I'm like, actually, that's the point. Yeah. What's wrong with me?
1: Yeah, that's so funny.
0: That kind of leads into like what I was was thinking about. the. It's really hard to think about how people historically would have – categorize themselves in our current framework because our current framework is relatively new so it's hard to say if people would like even privately own bisexuality pansexuality omnisexuality whatever because we just like those words and terms didn't exist right Exactly. and I think there's also like compulsory heterosexuality so particularly in the face of violence, and persecution. Like, I often find myself reading stories about people who are um, married with children and then having relationships with other genders. And the historical... Like, some historical context will say that person's bisexual and others will say that person was, like, closeted. So how do you... know? Like, there's no way to say for sure unless somebody was out claiming, like, no, I care for more than one gender right yeah so it just makes it challenging and especially because like things like that still go on today like people are still compulsorily in heterosexual relationships yeah so
1: totally just a
0: note it's a tough one
1: yeah it is I mean this is this is why it's important to have bisexuals who identify as bisexuals out of the closet and saying like here's my experience so you don't have to guess anymore about it. Any- you have to guess about anything. Mm-hmm. You can know. That's why it's important to have a term
0: like bisexuality, yep. which we didn't always have. But we did
1: eventually get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, although bisexuality very early on, not that early on, bisexuality as a term was used before the late 1800s to refer to an event involving both sexes so like you would say like oh the the ball last weekend was a bisexual event both sexes were present order to refer to people with male and female sex organs i mean that one bisexual events kind of fucks me up because i'm like bisexual events sounds so fun um, <laughs> <laughs> but referring to people with male and female sex organs as bisexual it's like okay yeah to sex
0: mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah.
1: i see i see it although you know now we call it intersex that's the term i'm familiar with i'm i wonder when that switch happened like when you yeah. started saying intersex and bisexual and not something else i should have looked this up
0: <laughs> i don't know yeah
1: i guess it might have been because the word bisexual was used in a, uh, a book it was an english translation of psychopathia sexualis a book by richard von kraft erbing a austrian great German <laughs> accent. oh sorry great austrian, accent. austrian an austrian psychiatrist we have the english translation of von kraft erbing to thank for bringing us such terms as sadist masochist homosexuality necrophilia and analingus
0: Ah, the all-ass diet. <laughs>
1: the all-ass diet. Von, Von Kraft-Ebing was a pretty fucked up dude. <laughs> he had some wild things to say. I'm not going to go through them here. But he, he is he is the first person, or rather this English translation of his book is the first text where bisexual appears in the sense that we basically know it now. Another Austrian psych- psychiatrist, psychologist, dude, Sigmund Freud, uh, cottoned on to von croft Erbing's language, Re-Human Sexuality, and he discussed his theory of innate bisexuality in many of his works. I'm going to give you a quick summary of his theory of innate bisexuality, which I drew from a 2009 paper called Bisexuality in Psychoanalytic Theory, Interpreting the Resistance by Esther Rappaport. This is the quote that explains innate bisexuality. With ontogeny recapitulating phylogeny, a child is polymorphously perverse lacking a solid sense of itself as either male or female and clueless about the ultimate goal of sex, supposedly procreation. This child can enjoy any form of sexual activity. Not so an adult. Um, So if you don't just automatically know what that means.
0: Yeah, I was going to say like um, polymorphously perverse sounds like a dope like heavy metal album. Sounds
1: so cool. Yeah. I didn't know what it meant. I had to look it all up. I had to like translate this word. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Basically, what Freud is saying is that children can imagine getting sexual gratification from shit adults usually don't get sexual gratification from, or some adults don't. So, like, sex with either or both sexes, maybe because, and he he thought this was maybe because um, they do not really see themselves as male or female yet. They don't completely understand, like, the social and physiological constructs that make up men or women. Uh, and they don't know anything about sex and how sex works. Is this theory true? Doesn't make everyone bisexual. I would say no, because I think that part of what makes us sexual in nature are the choices we make, um, and that like saying everyone is one way and not taking into account like the the. Environmental factors that also make us certain thing make certain choices is is not
0: totally yes yeah okay so I think how I, think. I kind of am hearing that too is like Freud's like everyone's by just not everyone's acting on it versus it's more like well everyone has the capacity to have at a young age all sorts of sexual experiences with all sor- sorts of things before societal constructs come in and before, like, you have a full personality that, like, might make you make certain choices. Yeah. And that choice might be, like, sure, I could have sex with men and women and non-binary people, but I really prefer to just have sex with women. Right. So, like, that's what I'm going to do.
1: Right. What Freud is saying is, like... I, one person, think that this is true of all people. And I'm the one who gets to say that. And I take issue with that. And I also think, like, the human experience is way too varied for this to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think, yeah, when kids are little, they don't know anything. But to for one person to be like, because kids don't know anything, they're bisexual.
0: I get what you're saying. And I think it's also, like... Um, that thought of, to me, because it is a persistent argument of that, I don't know, is this where it started with Freud? Like, everyone's a little bit bi. Right. I think is, like, invalidates bisexuality as, like, a personal identity. And instead makes it like, oh, well, you can be, like, a little bit of it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The whole, that completely invalidates bisexuality because if you are attracted to more than one gender, you are a valid bisexual or a valid pansexual or a valid omnisexual, whatever your preferred term is. But like you're valid. You don't have to reach a tipping point of like I'm 50% gay and 50% straight because those are two separate identities from bisexuality. Ooh, I just got hype on Freud. Okay, (laughs) I'm with you. I'm in the hate Freud camp.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't part of this Community, and he started saying stuff, and people started like listening to him. Mm-hmm. He was a famous, famous dude, uh, including Jung. Um, he also had to write about bisexuality after Freud, and then a <laughs> bunch of other psychologists and psychoanalysts brought their thoughts to the table during the 20th and 21st century, despite not identifying as bisexual and or queer. Um, and basing their interpretations about queer people on, like, very little conclusive scientific study or, like, conversations (laughs) with queer people. So, I don't know. I just find it troubling that 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 was a person that would go on to, like, influence legislators and doctors. Another person that I think bears mentioning as I wrap up my discussion on early bisexuality and the history of the word bisexual uh, is Alfred Kinsey, who we talked about on an earlier episode. Um, But he is perhaps the first person to actually study bisexual people by talking to them about their experiences. Uh, Kinsey himself identified as bisexual, or as we discussed, he has been identified as bisexual by biographers, because for a number of reasons, he may not have used that word or may not have felt comfortable using that word. But he openly had sexual interactions with men while married to a woman.
0: He probably wouldn't have used the term bisexual because he was like, I'm on this thing called the Kinsey scale.
1: Have you heard of it?
0: (laughs) For those of you who didn't listen to our earlier episode, the Kinsey scale is basically saying from zero to six, are you gay to straight or somewhere in the middle. So in 1948, he released his first reports. The first one came out about the sexuality among men. 46% of the male subjects, um, quote, reacted sexually to persons of both sexes in the course of their adult lives, with at least 37% having at least one homosexual experience. And then there's further breakdown among those numbers. And when he released his report later that year about, sexuality among women he noted that seven percent of single females and four percent of previously married females um, scored about a three so equally heterosexual and homosexual on the Kinsey scale so it's interesting that they they kind of measured them differently so it's not like an apples to apples but I think also it's important when looking at that kind of those numbers to take into account that like women's sexuality wasn't really given much of a place and wouldn't be for a long time and arguably still isn't it's just good to note that like this early exploration of sexuality was done by men and certainly done in an arena where like men are and were taught at a young age to like talk about wanting to fuck um, in a very heteronormative type of way, so it might not be in a private setting where you're going to be not have to share it with a public community to talk about that and the variety of different people and scenarios you want to fuck versus women, you're not encouraged to speak privately about sex, yeah, or publicly, yeah. Not to say that I think it would be easier for men to talk about same-sex relationships. I think that's a different issue, like on a public spectrum but scale um
1: yeah yeah sorry that was a tangent well kind of i (laughs) i did want to mention that like like it or not these upper class uh academic white men led the way for everyone who came after them who wanted to discuss bisexuality and sexuality in general which includes legislators critical theorists doctors um scientists And those people, in turn, would be producing all the studies and laws and everything that actual bisexual people would be subject to for the next 200 years. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And this is something that I keep in mind while researching early bisexual history and theory. These people who who wrote about bisexuality came from very similar backgrounds um, or who recorded bisexual experiences came from very similar backgrounds, which isn't to say that they don't have important things to say and that they shouldn't be studied, but if there's something that has happened to me in my experience of being bisexual that is missing from historical accounts, I remind myself that rather than feel invalidated, I I Keep in mind that my perspective as a woman was probably not considered and definitely not respected um, when being written about and discussed by so-called experts. So, that's just my it's my thoughts. Gosh, you just
0: said so much more elegantly what I was trying to encapsulate. <laughs> it's like you're not excluded from history because your sexuality isn't valid; it's because you, as a woman, are not valid.
1: Right. And like, don't worry <laughs> if you're not white. Then it's doubly so. If- and if you're not on the in the gender
0: binary, then yeah. it's, yeah, it's just compounded. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's easy to get kind of also like, fuck those like straight white cis men for doing that. But it's super tragic to think about how bi erasure exists within the LGBTQ history. They are often not talked about as much as some of the monosexual leaders are it's kind of a bummer so I wanted to pull out some of the key things that I learned from doing this research when I was doing my research they're rarely pulled out separately so you often have to have to look at just like LGBTQ history as a whole and then dig through one thing I was looking through CNN's like Key moments for, like, the LGBTQ movement. And every time a politician who was openly gay or lesbian was elected to a position, they'd be, like, first openly lesbian. gay senator right. or, yeah, first lesbian, whatever. And then we get to Kate Brown, <laughs> who's governor of Oregon.
1: Openly and- bisexual. Self-identifies as bisexual.
0: Yes, and they list her as like the highest ranking LGBTQ elected official. And I was like, wait, what? She's all of
1: them? She's all, <laughs> Yeah,
0: like she's all of them. She's just representative of the community. It's so it was just so interesting. And I'm sure no one who wrote that article, read that article, posted that article thought what like why are we not saying bisexual right yeah but definitely the word <laughs> bisexual did not occur on there at all except for like at the top to be like that's what the b stands for
1: yeah
0: moving on so just fucking interesting
1: interesting um this is the the passive bisexual passive aggression hour <laughs>
0: Yeah, like actually, I feel like so much of this I'm just gonna come off really salty.
1: So Me I'm too. gonna, I'm
0: actually gonna work to use strength-based language <laughs> because these next couple points are really very cool. I think. Um, so, Annie, have you been to a Pride parade or Pride march? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did you know that that was started by a bisexual woman?
1: Oh, the the march was
0: the march was. So Brenda Howard. Um, organized the first Christopher Street Liberation Day march, which commemorated one year after the Stonewall riots. I'm assuming most people who are listening to this podcast are familiar. Short summary, if you don't know what the Stonewall riots are, um, 50 years ago in June in Greenwich Village, New York City, there was a bar where a lot of gay men, I, don't, I think fewer lesbians um, and lots of transgender people, would come and hang out. And the police did, uh, like, would raid all the time because homosexual activity is illegal at that time. Um, So they would do raids and arrest people. And often it was, like, very, very violent. And those folks were victims of police brutality until in June of 1969 they fought back for three days. And those are the Stonewall Riots, um, which are kind of noted as the beginning of the LGBTQ equality rights movement, equal rights movement. Yeah. So she, a year later, organized the march to commemorate that event and that is what is the impetus for the pride celebrations that we participate in now. Yeah.
1: It's really interesting to think about like in doing this research there is a, there's like a moment, that moment with Stonewall and Brenda Howard establishing this march that like suddenly you get people who do self-identify as bisexual and Mm -hmm. before this there's nothing and after this there's like a trickle there's a trickle of people it's really cool
0: yeah it's very cool good to remember that like this is why knowing your history is important because there are people who died and were beaten for our right to make this podcast yeah. and right. among many other things. Yeah. So it's just, it's important to know that. Um, but Brenda Howard, so who Brenda Howard, who founded um, kind of like started the pride March and pride parade. Um, she also co-founded the New York area bisexual network in 1988, uh, which is a central communication hub for bisexual and bi-friendly groups in New York city and the tri-state area. It still exists today. Um, she also successfully lobbied for the inclusion of bisexuality in the 1993 March on Washington, which at the time was really focused on gay men and lesbians. Another person who, at least this was, um, somebody I saw who I was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable identifying them as bisexuality, uh, oh my
1: gosh, <laughs> Uh, they are bisexuality. They are,
0: they are bisexuality. Now I'm going to tell you about when bisexuality was born.
1: <laughs> it was one person for like a year. It was just one person. It was really, <laughs> really
0: weird. It was really unusual. So the GLTBQ archive claims that the vice president of the Society for Human Rights, which was the first known organization for gay men in the United States, which um, started in Chicago in 1924, they claimed that this vice president was bisexual. He was married to a woman and, quote, he had to keep his bisexuality a secret. However, as the group denied membership to bisexuals, believing that they would be less committed to the cause. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't find any supporting documentation um, besides that he was married to a woman and had, had children and that he also participated in this group and that his wife called the police on the group. Not not great. So I like perhaps he was bisexual, perhaps he was performing some compulsory heterosexual Yeah, that's that seems to
1: be a trend in a lot of pre Stonewall history is like, was this compulsory compulsory heterosexuality where like a man was married to a woman and had to do that because of society. Um, but you know, he had sex with the men or was it was it bisexuality? We yeah. don't know you have to tell us. We don't know. and it was 1924. <laughs> yeah. So that's
0: 45 years before Stonewall. Right. So it you know, who who knows and who knows how he would have identified. Yeah. Um, but somebody who did openly identify as bisexual, is Stephen Donaldson, who has the fucking coolest nickname ever, Donnie the Punk.
1: Donnie the Punk.
0: Donnie the Punk. <laughs> so cool. He founded the first gay college group at Columbia University. It was called Columbia University's Student Homophile League. Homophile was like a big term that I found in a lot of my history research. So Interesting. Interesting. Um, he founded that in 1966, and then he worked – to help a lot of other colleges around the world do the same. I looked up his obituary from Columbia, and I just want to read it because oh, he yeah. sounds like he was an amazing person. Oh,
1: I love this man.
0: At various points in his life, Donnie was a sailor, a journalist, a Buddhist priest, a student of Hinduism, a Quaker activist, a founder of the bisexual movement, a member of Mensa, and a punk rocker. Nice victim of a gang rape while imprisoned after an anti-Vietnam protest in the early 1970s. Donnie had a, had in recent years headed the group Stop Prison Rape, making many media appearances on behalf of this effort.
1: Dude, Donnie the punk. Donnie the punk. Wow. What a what a guy.
0: Renaissance man way ahead of his time. Donnie's awesome. Donnie's awesome. We can yeah, I think that's my main takeaway from bisexual history is that <laughs> Donnie's awesome and maybe we should put him on our flag. Donny I don't know.
1: and Brenda go up they they go up on the flag.
0: They go up tip top. Um but yeah there are tons of examples of how bisexual people supported the LGBTQ movement too many to list here but I will hyperlink to bi.org that kind of went through a lot of examples of that. That's kind of like during the LGBTQ movement it took probably a few years for people to start really like as Annie mentioned claiming bisexuality And then to start organizing groups around bisexual people specifically. So in the 1970s, these started to emerge. That included, like, the National Bisexual Liberation Group, the Bisexual Forum here in New York City. The San Francisco Bisexual Center was the world's first bisexual institution. Um, Bisexual groups also developed in Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis, and Washington, D.C. So that's kind of all happening during the 70s. At the same time this trend called bisexual chic is going on in the media. So bisexual chic is basically like how a magazine would talk about somebody being bisexual. So it would be (laughs) like, like young women embrace bisexual chic and 10 other things you don't know about your daughter or like whatever.
1: It means like androgynous, right?
0: It's kind of androgynous. It means it's very like, it can be used in a lot of different ways as far as like how we might talk about it now, but the main thing is that it's like very fetishized um, and almost like you're doing it to be trendy.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like yeah. it's
0: very hip right now to be a part of the bisexual chic. Yeah. Whereas like that's really invalidating to a whole orientation and sexual identity. Right. But it kind of emerged with like David Bowie talking about his bisexuality, yeah. Elton John, Patty Smith, all figures who like had same-sex relationships. And I think it was, like, very trendy to talk about. So that's that's the 70s.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: Then in the 80s, um, to the surprise of no one, shit gets bad for bisexuals and a lot of LGBTQ people. Why
1: was that? Um.
0: Well, it's different for bisexual women and bisexual men. You may have heard of the HIV and AIDS epidemic yes. being quite epidemic. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I would quite an I, epidemic. I'm, I'm yeah, going to say this because I don't see it in your notes. It uh-huh. was an epidemic that was allowed to become so fucking widespread because we had a president in power who did not give a shit about gay people. That's that's, that's my piece.
0: <laughs> super important to note. And no, I did not have it in my notes, but it's so it's so true. So we'll start there. So basically, everyone, if you were a man who had sex with men, it was a, a terrible time. Not only because of like this disease that nobody is doing anything to address. This public health issue that nobody is addressing because of your sexuality. But also because people are assuming it is a disease that only affects men who have sex with men. Which if you don't know is not true. 100% not true. <laughs> women can give it to women. So as this ep- epidemic is spreading bisexual men are were probably one of the most ostracized communities because they're seen as people who are bridging this, taking this gay disease and bringing it over to the straight community. Um, There's also always been the perception that bisexual men are more likely to be like quote unquote on the down low or not out about their sexuality. So Having hetero presenting relationships in public and then secretly having homosexual relationships, which perpetuates like bisexuals are sneaky and they can't be monogamous. Um, But particularly frightening when that is when a life threatening disease is like tacked onto that. And really, like, Really, at that time, it's not a manageable disease. It's a disease that is a death sentence. Right. Because no one in power is paying attention. Right. Because of the community, it's highly impacting. Yeah. So that's what's going on with bisexual men in the 80s. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: at the same time, there is a strong radical feminist movement um, or the lesbian feminists. And they're rejecting bisexual women because they're taking an easy way out or trying to attach themselves to a trend. Basically being like you can't be a feminist if you're bisexual. There's a whole time period where they say a lot of really fucked up shit about homosexuality on for both men and women. Like all different types of like radical feminist groups during this time period were saying some like really hype things that now you'd be like, whoa, what the fuck, I don't want to get involved – With that, like, gay men, one thing that I read, um, God, what were they called? They were, like, the Red Stocking Wing or something, but it was gay men are, uh, the most misogynist because they're trying to reject women and, like, they're the worst thing for, like, the feminist movement, which I'm, like, okay.
1: It's a... You're punching down, guys. Yeah. No... Me- <laughs> like,
0: not the people who are probably the biggest, like, right. perpetuators of holding women down. Um God. So... And a lot of that has to do with examining either bisexuality... I, d- I don't know if this was a trend overall at that time period or a trend particularly in radical feminist movements, but to... Address sexuality as a, a political statement. So, who you're romantically involved with is a political statement, rather than like a part of your identity and like for your own sexual and romantic fulfillment. Right. It just reminds me that like, like just because you have strong idea, strong liberal ideals in one area doesn't mean that you are perfect in all areas.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just because you are conservative in one area does not mean that you are not liberal. In other areas. Just because I'm gay doesn't mean I'm not straight. As as Lil Nas X once wisely said.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> There's nuance. There's
0: nuance. You don't have to be one thing. Yeah. And sometimes that's, sometimes your bad things are very bad. Yes. So, yeah, that's all the bad shit that was happening um, for bisexual men and bisexual women in the 80s.
1: That catches us up to the 90s, which is when we were born. So, like, that's not... I don't want to talk about that as history. Yeah, some (laughs) of
0: us were not born in the 90s. Some of us were born in the 80s,
1: but... (laughs) Oh, shit, you were born in the 80s. I'm so sorry. Yeah, dude. Okay, late 80s, though. Late 80s,
0: late Late 80s. 80s, late 80s. Yeah, so that kind of catches us up to... Which, honestly, I was reading through, like, LGBTQ history. It's important to remember... I think it was 2015, the Supreme Court legalized same-sex <laughs> marriage. So that's important to remember. 2015 is
1: not that long ago. It's four years ago to be exact.
0: And obviously there are still like lots of troubling things going on. But I think it's important to remember that like obviously like shit didn't stop in the 80s. I would I would just say I had a harder time finding things that were specific to bisexuals in the last yeah, 30 years. Besides probably like cultural things.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would say during the research though, I found some historical, prominent historical figures who showed signs of being bisexual Mm -hmm. or have been identified as bisexual. Frida Kahlo famously had a lot of relationships with men and women. Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln is a perfect example of like When historians are like, I don't know, maybe they were just roommates. He lived with this man in Illinois. They shared a bed for four years. (laughs) They stopped living together only when he went to marry Mary Todd. And they had a huge fight when that happened. And they wrote love letters to each other all the time that are very like, I want to touch the softest part of your skin. Like, you are so tender and beautiful.
1: I don't know about you guys.
0: That's not how I talk to my roommate.
1: I wish I wish he were alive today and could sit down here with us on this podcast and be like, yeah, it was, it was love. It was love.
0: If Abraham Lincoln comes back <laughs> from the dead and come, to come on our podcast, yes, I'm going to be like, Get to the Oval Office.
1: You have very <laughs> fish to fry. That's so
0: true. Um, and then also Anne Frank, who, uh, if you look up the unedited version of her diary, she writes a lot about having sexual feelings for both men and women. Yeah. B- boys and girls.
1: Yeah. She's a teenager, so. She's a teen. Um, I had some people that I also found. Uh, Edna St. Vincent Millay. Prominent bisexual writer, Pulitzer Prize winner, June Jordan, from, or who grew up in Bed-Stuy, this very neighborhood. A writer, bisexual, uh, Walt Whitman is just like Abe Lincoln, Um, wrote a lot about dudes and their bodies and how amazing they were, which doesn't, I mean, like, that, that feels dirty saying that he's bisexual, but,
0: like... Maybe he was vicarious.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> um, John Maynard Keynes, father of Keynesian economics, one of my favorite historical figures of all time. Seriously, his life was fucking wild. You need to go read a biography of him. He's a great guy.
0: Do you have one I can take?
1: I don't. I. I can recommend one to you, though. Okay, cool. He just liked love, you know? He's one of those people who's like... I don't know. He seems really cool. I don't know anything about economics, but I I like what I read about him. Uh, Susan Sontag self-identified as bisexual, so that's super cool. You know, people have different opinions about her opinions. There's a ton. There's a lot of rumors about people who were or maybe were not bisexual. Um, a lot of these people... Probably couldn't identify as bisexual, as we mentioned. Uh, a lot of people we didn't put in here because they were a little problematic. I mean, everyone's a little problematic, but there were some people that I was like, I'm gonna pass on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to erase that part of bisexual history, but
0: I think it's also important to note that, like, because of the limited reporting on LGBTQ history and then also bisexual history within that, to then add on, like, oh, what about people of color? It's very, very difficult to identify bisexual people of color who you can verify moments in history about right. just because they're not the people who are writing history at the time. Right, yeah. So it's important to remember that as a part of the erasure Yeah. as well. <laughs>
1: Cool. You want to talk about bi-lights?
0: Yeah, let's preserve some contemporary history. I
1: think someone's got to.
0: You know, someone's got to. And I think they're <laughs> going to, the aliens are going to dust off this podcast yeah. and be like, oh.
1: The cool bisexual aliens, please come. Please I want to take us away
0: from this planet. Yeah, I bet aliens would be like two genders. You guys are a fucking joke. Are you kidding? <laughs>
1: we have 18 to <laughs> catch up.
0: Get with it. And then once you turn 40, it triples. <laughs> it triples. You're like, whoa, okay, wild. Very cool. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so I do have a lot of bylights. lights. First. The Supreme Court of the United States on October 8th heard four cases about LGBTQ discrimination in the workplace. Three of these cases were grouped together, and they were instances of men being fired um, allegedly because of their homosexuality. And then the second case is of one woman who was fired after she told her employers that she would be living as a woman. She's a transgender woman mm-hmm. who kno- had been working as a man. Right. Is that the uh, correct way to say it? That's how people have been saying it on the news in a respectful way, I think. Yeah. has had been living and working as a man, but then she told her employers that she would be coming in as a as a woman. Yeah. The title that this is challenging uh or that is in question is Title seven, which protects people from discrimination in the workplace. Um, the particular protection is for sex. So basically, like, you can't fire someone for being a man or for being a woman, but it doesn't break down your sexual orientation or if you're transgender.
1: Yeah. If you'll remember a few episodes, we talked about how only at the state level are people protected in the workplace by their sexuality. And it'd be nice to have federal protection, please.
0: That would be great. Um, I think it's also interesting um, thinking of it from the the arguments of it are interesting to me because I I think it's easy for me to have an emotional reaction where I'm like well it's just the right thing to do but I'm like okay but is it a legal right that we have written into into our statutes Um, and I think the argument here is really accurate because it's like well if you were a woman who was married to or dating men you would not have been fired but because you are a man who is married to or dating men you're not conforming to like the expectations of male presentation so you're being fired because because of your sex and that and to me I'm just like well the transgender is obviously you're being fired because of your sex right yeah that one I don't even feel like it needs the argument but I thought that the the case to me was very obvious it's
1: it's interesting it does bring into question like what is what is our perception of sex like what is sex
0: yeah what
1: is it yeah yeah um, so along the same kind of like political
0: lines, nine democratic hopefuls participated in a town hall on LGBTQ issues. To be totally honest, I didn't read anything about what they said about that. But at that town hall, Elizabeth Warren dropped her LGBTQ rights and equity plan, or sorry, her LGBTQ rights and equality plan which included a lot of examples, statistics, and action items that specifically called out bisexuals, which I thought was great. And it included a lot, like, a ton of actual things that she would like to do, but specifically for bisexuals included ending the blood donation ban for bisexual men and gay men, and then supporting greater diversity in medical research, especially for bisexual and transgender people.
1: Hell yeah, UW.
0: Fuck yes. Um, moving on to pop culture. Pop culture. RuPaul's Drag Race, which I've never seen. I've seen
1: every single episode. Have you really? Yeah.
0: So do you want to talk about Scaredy Cat?
1: Sure. <laughs> I I actually didn't know this until I read about it, and then I furiously Googled, like, Scaredy Cat not gay? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but apparently, the RuPaul Drag Race contested Scaredy Cat came out as not gay, which is interesting because I think there's typically only been people who identify as gay. Um, although, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I, I'm now realizing that there are probably some people who don't mention their sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would probably get fucking torn apart on Twitter. That's what
0: Scaredy Cat was like. I was super afraid of going to the show and the other queens, like, passing judgment. Yeah. And then also, like, public perception. I think there's an added layer because Scaredy Cat said they don't identify as bisexual or pansexual. They're just in love with their partner, whose name is Bear, who I believe, say, if I th- I think Bear is female-identifying female identifying But Bear also does drag. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cool. And then the show Big Mouth on Netflix just released its third season. And they have a character who at the end of last season was struggling with his sexuality and being attracted to both men and women. And I have not seen this episode yet, so I can't say for sure. But apparently a new character arrives and says, I'm pansexual. Somebody's like, is that... The same thing. as bisexual, and they're like, no, because bisexuals is too binary. Like it doesn't include outside of the binary.
1: Someone did not do their research. <laughs> Someone did not do their
0: research and dragged bisexuality. Cool. Uh, the co-creator has already issued an apology. Again, I haven't seen the episode. I haven't seen the new season, so I can't attest to anything. They're usually very like it's a cartoon for adults. And they're usually very, like, educational and informative on a lot of interesting issues and pretty open-minded. So I wonder if that was a comment that came from not knowing what you were talking about. And if maybe the rest of the representation is good, I can't say. Write us in and let us know if you've watched it.
1: Yeah, I've never seen it, so let us know if we should, I guess.
0: Yeah, like, should I watch season three or should I protest? Yeah. Is it canceled? I don't know. Are we
1: canceling this?
0: (laughs) I don't think anybody's canceling things for biphobia. (laughs) Yeah. Sadly.
1: We're not not
0: there. Not sadly. I don't feel that way. Not sadly. Yeah, I don't.
1: I'm not a canceled person. No,
0: me neither. And then Harry Styles, long time rumored bisexual, pansexual. All of his fans want him. So they're like, please give me a shot. (laughs) Um... He released Lights Up on National Coming Out Day and people are straight up like this is a bisexual anthem. The video is like both men and women um, and people of all sorts of genders like tearing at his body. I've read read different things. I tried to watch it on the subway and I only got part of the way through but some people were like oh like him like being touched by people and other people were like all out pansexual orgy in the video (laughs) like Harry Styles comes out as bi and I was like I don't know maybe not so I, I listened to the song and I looked at the like genius lyrics in the spot in Spotify yeah and it was like it's about a breakup I don't know Harry Styles has said that he's an ally but hasn't ever identified as anything so
1: well I believe him
0: Yeah. And finally, we have another downer. Content warning. Death. Murder. Hate crime. Hate crime. Hate murder. I feel like hate crime is a little light for when somebody's killed.
1: Yes. So
0: around noon today, NBC released this news that Brian Waswa, uh, a 28-year-old Ugandan LGBTQ activist, was killed. This was in response to him kind of sounding the alarm that Ugandan politicians are threatening the LGBTQ community. They're saying that they're going to reintroduce a bill from 2014 that's known as the "quote unquote" kill the gays bill that increases the penalty for homosexual behavior from life in prison to death. So that sucks. Sorry to end on that note. No,
1: that's-
0: it felt it felt too weird to go from serious news to like and a cartoon dragged bisexuality. Right. Sexuality. right. I wish we could stop having bad news.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, like, so that we don't have to have these awkward moments where we're just like, uh, it's terrible. There's nothing you can really say to transition to the next thing. But I was like, no, you know what? I just wish it didn't happen at all.
1: I do have a rising star. Uh, mine is Lily Singh, the history making Canadian American bisexual youtuber she just got a contract to host the first late night show well she didn't just get the contract she got it like probably a year ago and just had her first episode of uh her her late night show she's the first late night host to identify as a bisexual she rose to fame by youtube where she began making videos as a way to explain her struggle with depression um and she came out earlier this year in a tweet that reads female check colored check bisexual check actually the checks come before the word but you get the idea uh throughout my life these have proven to be obstacles from time to time but now i'm fully embracing them as my superpowers no matter how many boxes you check i encourage you to do the same and then she did a little x which means kiss um and that's some strength-based language which is great you I know, love that. She's talking about things that have historically been used to oppress people as superpowers.
0: I have two bising stars this week. Doctors Wendy Bostwick and Judith Bradford, who co-founded the Bisexual Research Collaborative on Health, or BIRCH. So uh, this is a group that facilitates and promotes community-informed research across multiple disciplines on the health needs of bisexual individuals and related communities. They combine academic study, an intersectional lens, and community-based advocacy through activities that are evidence-based and multidisciplinary. So Dr. Bostwick uh, is associate professor in the health systems science department, College of Nursing at the University of Illinois Oh, my gosh. At Chicago. How many names does that department need? Um, and she conducts research related to the health disparities among sexual and gender minority populations with a focus on mental health and substance use among bisexual women. Interesting. And then Dr. Bradford uh, passed away in 2017 after a fight with ovarian cancer, which fucking sucks. Um, but her research raised the voices of minority populations, um, particularly focusing on the health disparities among the LGBTQ population. She used her social science training and quantitative skills um, to conduct advocacy. (laughs) She used her social science training and quantitative skills to advocate for the LGBTQ community. I really like this quote. She said, if you're not counted, you don't count. Yeah, so she early on um, recognized that populations like sexual and gender minorities were understudied and therefore kind of hidden. So she wanted to bring them into the into research samples, so that um, you're counted in population surveys and then you're included in things like public health policies and interventions. Yeah, that's the only way to get your services to your community.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I'm so glad that these two people exist. existed I'm so happy that they set an example for like what it means to be a leader and an advocate of the same community that you belong to. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't I, know. D-
0: I couldn't find anywhere stating. That either of them oh they're not bisexual were bisexual oh,
1: okay well uh, an advocate and a and a uh, studier st- yes student I would
0: assume team. that they are, we can we can safely assume they were at least strong allies for the community since they combined their research interests with advocacy yeah do you need any advice
1: I do need advice uh, looking at some early theorists of sexuality got me thinking about how over time certain stereotypes developed about queer people and bisexual people in particular including the stereotype that bisexuality is just a phase and like I said the idea that sexuality is just a choice or that it is a choice because my thought has always been like even if it is a choice does that make it Less right? Yeah. (laughs) Less valid? Less valid? Like, wouldn't it make it just... Wouldn't it make it, like, even more valid?
0: It's, (laughs) like... Like, we make lots of choices... Right. ...that are dignified and assumed to be, like, autonomous, independent things that we're allowed to do as human... Like, human rights.
1: And wouldn't, like... (laughs) Wouldn't that choice have something to do with like our biology and our chemistry like it's all tied up together so i wanted to ask what what do you say to someone who says that who insists that bisexuality is just a phase like everyone is bisexual at some point like every girl who goes to college at sarah lawrence is bisexual at some point what do you say to that person?
0: Yeah, I don't have advice. All my things are negative. <laughs> I have no strength-based language for it, that. Is but.
1: there a way to be like, oh, actually, no, but in a way that will actually make them think about why they're saying is why what they're saying is not cool? Yeah. What, what What's your call for advice? So call given advice, advice,
0: that we won't hear the scotus's ruling for some time, I'm wondering what are ways that we can work to make our works workplaces more inclusive and secure for LGBTQ folks, um, particularly at a time when we're threatened, particularly like our ability to self-sustain and have a livelihood. Yeah. Um, so, like, what can you do? And I think there are things like putting pronouns in your email but i'm wondering also like i'd i'm not in a position where i make any policies but are there things that i should be suggesting that my work puts into place yeah um that they are not currently
1: i i don't know either that one's yeah. we're going to have to crowdsource that one it's
0: tough too that that one i think is it's particularly difficult because like i'm fortunate enough that i work in a place hey i'm already out of my job People know. People at least know I date a woman, Right. so there's no real backpedaling on that <laughs> at this point. But I also work in a place where it's very. It would be. It w- it's very open to um, lots of different types of lives. So I don't think that there would be any problem. I don't know. There. I don't know how much is written down as far as policies go. So not to say that just because. People are cool about it. Doesn't mean things can't happen, um, or that internal biases won't manifest in different ways. But I think I think the challenge is like balancing, especially in a time where you you don't know if you're like going to be safe. Is like how do I advocate for like my company to put in its own rules about non discrimination policies, um, external to state or local or government legislation because i have to kind of out myself then yeah and maybe i don't want to out myself when like maybe it'll be legal for me to get fired just because of that yeah very soon
1: tight tight rope walk tight tough, tough tough also
0: like we live in new york i'm not too i'm not worried about it here but there are certainly people who don't
1: yes certainly um so if you have Answers to these difficult questions, please email us. Our email is hello goodbyes42069 at gmail.com. That's H E L L O B I S. no You were so
0: confident.
1: H E L L O G O O D B I S 42069 at gmail.com. We got a lovely email from listener Veronica kind of having to do with a question that I asked last week. And if you also want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that. You can go to our anchor page. There's a little button that says voice message. Voice message, messages. yeah. And you can um, you can send us a voice recording, which we'd love to hear.
0: We'd love it. You can also slide into our DMs on Instagram.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so uh, I think that's it. That's it.
0: Should we sign off?
1: Let's sign off. Goodbye from the
0: goodbyes.